here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rat Fantasy Football Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back into the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast. Pat and Scott uh, surviving the offseason. Obviously, fantasy football is, you know, out the door, but we are uh, moving on as we did uh, last year. And we're keeping up with the playoff games and kind of doing a little informational for, for entertainment purposes only uh, takes on the games as far as the spreads and the lines and uh, you know, who we see winning and, and why and stuff like that. And again, you know, sometimes those of us that are in the fantasy football community do have a little bit of extra statistical insight based on tracking everybody's, uh, you know, yards per catch and average yards per target and, you know, points against the defense and stuff like that, that, you know, kind of gives you a little bit more of a grander perspective, shall we say, uh, when it comes to analyzing the game and maybe reading uh reading a little deeper through the tea leaves there uh pat we had uh we had four games uh so we are now down to the final four teams yeah uh, i mean what do you think where, where are we where are we standing right now well i, I mean obviously as as football fans and as, as Philadelphia eagles fans i'm pretty pretty happy that uh the eagles made it through the divisional round obviously and uh are going to get to host the NFC Championship game this week. I did not want to see San Francisco in the championship game, but uh, you know you got to beat the best to be the best, right? So uh, I do think San Francisco is going to be a tough challenge for us, but we're going to get into that game a little bit later. But we're going to talk about our divisional round picks and uh, you know how well we did or or didn't do this week, and uh, then jump into some of our championship week picks for those two games and. Uh, it's going to be going to be fun, you know, definitely uh, going to be an interesting weekend. It's nice that football is just going to be back to one day, though, because you know, having games on Saturday and Sunday is it's great. I love it. Don't get me wrong. But I felt like my entire weekend was taken up, uh, you know, watching football. And, and as much as I love, you know, sitting there and, and you know, drinking beer and not doing anything else, uh, you know, it does kind of, you know, limit what, what I can get done around the house and and I was spending time with my kids and my wife and things like that. So nice that uh, my Saturday will be free from football and uh, and just get some games on Sunday again this week. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the important stuff. And uh, obviously, yeah, we're going to touch base on what we did last week with our picks and how we made out and how we're looking into uh, this weekend's uh, two games on Sunday. And uh, we got something else up our sleeve. Pat, you want to fill them in on? Uh, you know, what's going to keep fantasy relevant podcasts like ours <laughs> moving on? Uh, you know, what can we do to keep people listening? Um, yeah, so we decided to, we, we talked about this uh, the last couple of weeks. We decided to do a fantasy award uh, presentation, uh, basically, you know, just some some fantasy awards for the for the whole season, you know, guys who were, you know, maybe your, your fantasy MVP or, you know, and, in some cases, uh, you know, maybe your least valuable player. We're going to post all of the fantasy awards uh, nominees for votes. We're going to post them on Twitter as polls. Please go on, follow us, and you know, vote on those on those categories. You can follow us on Twitter at the Nine Route One or at Scott from Delco. Uh, our a link to our Twitter will also be on our website, which is www.thenineroutefb.com. We will also post the list of 
uh, fantasy award nominees on there. If you'd like to check that out, you won't be able to vote on the website. Got to do that on Twitter. We're trying to keep it centralized so that we can tally all the votes uh, in, in one specific area. But if you do have any questions about the show or the nominees or anything for the, for us in general, you can email us at the nine route FFB at gmail.com. We are going to reveal the award winners next week on the show as well as go over our start-sit percentages for the season, uh, see see which uh, what awards we may have won individually uh, as far as our start-sit picks go and, uh, and go from there. But uh, I think we should probably jump right into these awards and kind of explain them to everybody and, and give them the nominees. What do you think? Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right, so we have nine awards to give out, and uh, we've adequately named them. Uh, after basically after some famous wide receivers in the NFL, since we are the nine route, obviously talks about, uh, you know, that, that nine route, that fade route, the deep route. So uh, we wanted to kind of in keeping with the show's, you know, sort of theme, get these categories named after some, some prominent wide receivers in NFL history. So our first category is the biggest draft value. And we've aptly named this one, the Harold Carmichael award. Carmichael was drafted in 1971 by the Philadelphia Eagles with their seventh round pick, number 161 overall. Played his entire career with the Philadelphia Eagles, except for his final year in 1984, which he played with the Dallas Cowboys. But we, Eagles fans, we don't uh, we don't count that towards his uh, his career at all. Uh, he finished his 14 year career with 590 receptions for just under 9,000 yards and an astonishing 79 touchdowns and is widely known as one of the best draft values in Eagles history, which is why this award is named after Carmichael. Scott, you want to go ahead and give them the nominees for the biggest draft value? Sure. Uh, number four on our list is Christian Kirk of the Jacksonville Jaguars, wide receiver. Number three, another wide out. We're looking at Tyler Lockett from the Seattle Seahawks. Number two, ironically, uh, would be that Tony <laughs> Pollard running back, Dallas Cowboys, who unfortunately a uh, bad leg injury, hopefully he – uh, does get healthy after that game yesterday. And number one uh, is Ramondre Stevenson of the New England Patriots running back. Again, uh, this is just the list. This is, you know, your votes is going to decide who uh, was the biggest draft value. All right. Our next category is comeback player of the year. We've named this one the Steve Smith Senior Award because in 2004, Steve Smith broke his fibula and missed essentially the entire season. He came back in 2005 and absolutely crushed it, putting up a stat line of 103 receptions for 1,563 yards and 12 touchdowns for the season, earning him the AP Comeback Player of the Year honors. And if that isn't enough to get an award named after you, Smith once again had his season cut short and, and what seemed to be his career cut short in 2015 by an Achilles injury back in 2015. You know, Achilles injuries were kind of like, yeah, people just didn't come back from them. But at age 37, somehow Smith rehabbed, came back and played in 2016 and posted a very respectable 70 receptions for 799 yards and five touchdowns with the Baltimore Ravens to officially end his career. He did not win AP Comeback Player of the Year that year, but uh, to be able to come back from that injury uh, after coming back from uh, a gruesome injury in 2005, uh, this this award definitely had to be named after Steve Smith. So the nominees for that one, Scott? Our Comeback Player of the Year nominees. We're looking at number four, Travis Etienne of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Number three, 
Saquon Barkley, New York Giants. Number two, Christian McCaffrey, uh, formerly of Carolina, now of San Francisco. And our number one uh, slot is Cam Akers. Uh, these are all running backs. Cam Akers of the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, so, again, uh, good to see them back on the field. And they were all solid contributors for everyone who had them on their team and on their roster this year. Yeah, Akers, Akers fell off in the beginning, but he, he made a, a another comeback at the end of the season and looked pretty good. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see who wins that one. All right, our next category is the Unsung Hero Award. This is going to be named after Jimmy Smith. Smith has basically been, if you follow football, has been no, number one on many pundits' lists for Hall of Fame recognition that he has not yet received. In 11 NFL seasons, Smith has amassed 862 receptions for 12,287 yards and 67 touchdowns, numbers that far surpass some of those held by already inducted Hall of Fame wide receivers. A lot of people still believe that Jimmy Smith has kind of been snubbed and was an unsung hero for an expansion team that went to the AFC Championship game in its second season. So the nominees for that award, Scott? So we're looking at our Jimmy Smith Unsung Hero Award for your fantasy football season. Uh, number four, DeMonta Smith, wide receiver, Philadelphia Eagles. Number three, showing up again, is that Tony Pollard, running back, Dallas Cowboys. Number two, Josh Jacobs, running back, Las Vegas Raiders. And number one Unsung Hero on our list here is Jamal Williams, running back, Detroit Lions. The next category is our Rookie of the Year Award. We've named this one after Randy Moss. Moss could probably fit in many of these categories, but his rookie season was one for the ages. Back in 1998, Moss started only 11 games, but finished third overall in receiving yards with 1,313 receiving yards and first in touchdowns with 17 amongst all wide receivers, earning him Offensive Rookie of the Year honors. The nominees for the Rookie of the Year are Randy Moss Award Rookie of the Year. Nominees, number four, Drake London, wide receiver, Atlanta Falcons. Number three, Garrett Wilson, wide receiver, New York Jets. Number two, Chris Olave, wide receiver, New Orleans Saints. And number one, Kenneth Walker III, running back, Seattle Seahawks. The next award, you know, we got a bunch of good awards. Sometimes, you know, people tend to, to let you down a little bit as well. So got to make sure that uh, in order to celebrate the good, we also have to, uh, you know, remember the bad. So this next category is going to be our biggest playoff letdown award. We've named this one after Kevin Dyson, although he had a great career and was a wonderful wide receiver. He will always be remembered by many of us as the wide receiver that came up just a few feet short of the goal line in Super Bowl 34, allowing the Rams to go on and win that Super Bowl over the Tennessee Titans. So our nominees for the Kevin Dyson Award. For the Kevin Dyson Award for biggest playoff letdown. Number four, Mark Andrews, tight end, Baltimore Ravens. Number three, Stefan Diggs, wide receiver, Buffalo Bills. Number two, DK Metcalf, wide receiver, Seattle Seahawks. And number one, Ramondre Stevenson, running back, New England Patriots. 
All right, our next award is going to be for the biggest playoff boom. We have aptly named this award after Julian Edelman. Edelman's regular season career numbers are fairly average overall, but he ranks in the top five in most playoff receiving categories, including receptions with 118, yards with 1,442, 100-yard games with six, and is also top five in Super Bowl history in receptions with 24 and yards with 337 and is one of just seven wide receivers to win a Super Bowl MVP award. The nominees for biggest playoff boom, Julian Edelman Award. Number four, George Kittle, tight end, San Francisco 49ers. Number three, Devonta Smith, wide receiver, Philadelphia Eagles. Number two, C.D. Lamb, wide receiver, Dallas Cowboys. Number one, Jarek McKinnon, running back, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and those are just taking into account the stats from the fantasy playoffs, which was week 15 through – we went through week 18 uh, for our league because our league of record does play 18 weeks. But uh, those were the guys that, that really showed out the last four weeks of the season and, and helped a lot of people win fantasy championships. Our next award is our biggest bust award. We've named this one after Charles Rogers. Most of you were probably like, who the heck is Charles Rogers? <laughs> Charles Rogers was picked second overall back in 2003 by the Detroit Lions. Uh, some personal trouble and some unfortunate addiction to painkillers uh, had him out of the NFL just two years later, never to return. And uh, I've, I actually heard that he is he's a mechanic somewhere. Uh, like in Cleveland or Cincinnati or something like that, just working at like a, a an auto shop. So unfortunately for Charles Rogers, his career didn't last very long. He was a major bust from the 2003 NFL draft. Our biggest bust nominees this year are? Nominees for biggest bust, Charles Rogers Award. Oh, God. Number four, Kyle <laughs> Pitts. Yeah, that one hurts. Yeah, it's very personal. Kyle Pitts, <laughs> tight end, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, number three, Mike Gesicki, tight end, Miami Dolphins. Number two, Pat, this is your guy, Allen Robinson, <laughs> wide receiver, uh, Los Angeles Rams. And number one, Justin Herbert, quarterback, Los Angeles Chargers. Two L.A. guys. Yeah. Yeah, that whole town stunk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The next award is our undrafted MVP. We call this the Rod Smith Award. Rod Smith obviously went undrafted in 1994, eventually signed with the Denver Broncos and played his first game with Denver in 1995. After a long career, he eventually finished with 849 receptions, 11,389 yards, and 68 touchdowns. He became a Hall of Fame finalist in 2015. He has not yet been inducted into the Hall of Fame, but he uh, Every year he gets revoted on, and I, I think his year is coming. He definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame as an undrafted player. Let's hear the nominees for the Rod Smith Award. Our nominees for undrafted MVP, Rod Smith Award. Number four, Evan Ingram, tight end, Jacksonville Jaguars. Number three, Zay Jones, wide receiver, Jacksonville Jaguars. Number two, Jarek McKinnon, running back, Kansas City Chiefs. And number one, Geno Smith, quarterback, Seattle Seahawks. 
All right, and our final award, the coup de gras, so to speak, of our award, our fantasy awards, the MVP award. We've named this one, obviously, after Jerry Rice. I don't think an explanation is needed for this one. Scott, go ahead and give him the nominees for fantasy MVP. MVP, Jerry Rice Award. Number four, Travis Kelsey, tight end, Kansas City Chiefs. Number three, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, Minnesota Vikings. Number two, Austin Eckler, running back, Los Angeles Chargers. And number one, Patrick Mahomes, quarterback, Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, we could have had a lot of people in that fantasy MVP category. There's a lot of a lot of players that, you know, really based on their draft value and, you know, where you may have picked them and stuff like that. A lot of guys could have been your MVP, but we kind of just went with the stalwarts at each position and uh, interesting to find out who, who the MVP is going to be. Uh, Scott and I will also vote on these and make our picks. And uh, when we come back next week to deliver the winners, uh, we'll let you know who we picked and why. Yeah, folks. Uh, again, we, we look forward to watching everybody out there contribute, vote, get out and vote. You got to vote. <laughs> patriotic duty here at the nine route. Uh, so, again, we look forward to that. And, yeah, we'll uh, we'll follow up with everybody and, and explain the winners. Uh, moving on, I think we're ready to go back into our divisional round uh, of picks from last week. Uh, obviously, there were a few games in there. Uh, it looks like uh, I didn't do too bad this week. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pat finished with a six and six record in the divisional round, while I uh, cruised to a nine and three record in the divisional round. Uh, so after two weeks, wild card and divisional. Uh, Pat is 20 and 10 with his picks. I am 17 and 13. So I am knocking on the door, buddy. I'm coming through uh, after this week. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I didn't wanna... think uh, didn't think you'd be you'd be making it close after that wild card round, but uh, you, you cleaned up. Got two games, you know, all the way right. Everything spread, money line, all that good stuff. So uh, definitely, uh, definitely killed it this week. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, you know, after our talk last week, you kind of got me. Uh, you know, back in the game, so to speak. So uh, both personally and professionally, uh, not too bad with picks. Uh, and I know you are involved on that too. So I guess we'll start with the first game. That was the Kansas City Chiefs against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Turns out Kansas City was just too much for Jacksonville, although a lot of things did happen. There were uh, some missed opportunities for Jacksonville in the game. And probably one of the biggest notes coming out of the game is the high ankle sprain of Pat Mahomes. Uh, that could have an effect on this week's game against Cincinnati. Isaiah Pacheco uh, had 12 carries for 95 yards. Uh, Travis Kelsey had a game that you really wish you had had him for during the regular season at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he had uh, how many catches was it, Pat? 14. Almost set the playoff record for catches in a game. Did he did set the the tight end uh, the record for tight end catches in a game, but almost set the the playoff record for catches in the game, or tied it, I should say. Uh, that was 15, but uh, he ended up with 14 for 98 yards and two touchdowns. So, uh, yeah, Travis Kelsey definitely showed why he is uh, tight end one in uh, yeah. in the NFL <laughs> this week. Crazy, crazy. Kadarius Toney, uh, the newer acquisition this season in Kansas City, he had seven targets. He was second on the team uh, when it comes to Jacksonville. Basically, they're two skill guys that – you would expect uh, were involved. Travis Etienne, 10 carries, 62 yards, and a touchdown. 
Christian Kirk, who did get hurt in the game. I did remember seeing a little blurb. I don't think he returned. It was seven catches on 14 targets for 52 yards and a touchdown. And like we said, uh, the high ankle sprain to Pat Mahomes, you definitely saw him hobbling, hopping. He was not comfortable and obviously maybe with some time off to get some healing done. Uh, but going up this week in, in that Cincinnati matchup, we'll touch on uh, if that's going to have an effect on that game, Pat. Uh, what was the nightcap on Saturday? Oh, you forgot that quickly, huh? That was uh, the New York Giants traveling to Philadelphia to get um, smacked on the butt and sent home. Uh, <laughs> the Philadelphia Eagles won that game 38-7. to Scott, you called this one, man. This was a, a an Eagles blowout. I thought the Giants coming off of some momentum here would keep this game close. And, you know, we saw their defense play fairly well in week 18 against Philadelphia Eagles. You know, they didn't win the game, obviously, but they held them to, you know, under 30 points. And I thought, well, if, if they could do that without their offensive players on the field, maybe them sustaining some offensive drives could potentially keep this game a little bit closer. But the Eagles, you know, with that week of rest, they were hungry and they came out and they just absolutely destroyed it. Jalen Hurts, Ended the game 16 for 24, 154 yards and two touchdowns through the air. Also added nine rushes for 34 yards and a touchdown on the ground. Kenneth Gainwell uh, ended up having a big game there at the end. Didn't didn't get a whole lot of carries early, but uh, took advantage of his carries late when that game was pretty much put away. Had 12 rushes for 112 yards and a touchdown. And of course, the giant killer, Boston Scott, scored another touchdown. He now has 11 touchdowns in nine career games versus the Giants. He only has eight touchdowns in the other 52 games he's played in his career. So uh, Boston Scott loves seeing uh, those New York Giants on the other side of the football. As far as the Giants go, not a whole bunch of offensive production. Richie <laughs> Danny Dimes doing season. Danny Dimes things. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's why I call him Danny Nichols, baby. Mm-hmm. Um, Richie James did have a, you know, I guess the most uh, sort of standout game for the Giants. Uh, Ten Targets, seven catches, 51 yards, no touchdowns. But uh, it, it was just a, a good old-fashioned whooping that the Eagles gave the Giants. So uh, definitely made me a little bit more confident in Philadelphia's prospects going into next week. But we'll get into that game in a little bit. You want to take the next one? Absolutely. Uh, two matchups on Sunday, first of which was the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Buffalo. Obviously, the DeMar Hamlin game fresh in everybody's mind from that Monday night matchup uh, that happened in Cincinnati. You know, these two teams finally got a chance to get it on. And, uh, you know, I kind of had a feeling that Cincinnati was just seems like a a hotter team, a bit of the better team. And Buffalo kind of looked like they were leaking oil with that, you know, tough game they had against Miami and Cincinnati. Uh, you know, the snow, it, it gave it that beautiful atmosphere that you want to see in playoff football in January and, and, you know, maybe early February. I mean, Cincinnati really just owned them the whole game and, and they just never looked like they really were going to come back and, and do anything to to be competitive uh, at any point. So uh, Cincinnati is, is looking like a tough team. Uh, it was a battle of two titans of quarterbacks in the NFL, both fantasy and reality. Joe Burrow, 23 of 36, 242 and two touchdowns. Uh, there was one that was called back, the, you know, questionable whether he had possession with Jamar Chase. And again, Chase and he, you know, they just had that connection. Jamar Chase, five catches on eight targets, 61 yards and a touchdown. And again, that could have been one more uh, if they had ruled differently. I wish it was. Yeah, which, yeah, I, I lost my parlay on eight 
eight Joe Burrow passing yards. That was a, uh, I think it was a, a 10 or 11 yard touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Got taken like, off the board. Which when, you know, watching the replay, that's that whole, like, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're, it's 2023 and they still haven't figured out what the hell a catch is. Like, and I don't understand it. It's like, if you jump over the pile and you break the plane of the goal line, even if they knock the ball out, you had the possession and it's a touchdown versus the guy had the ball, Jamar Chase, touches with both feet, and then as he's going out, he loses control of the ball. That's not a touchdown. But it never so, hits the ground. Exactly. I, I, it I lands, just, like, in his lap, and he just, you know, yeah, yeah I don't I don't, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what's a catch anymore. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. Nope. Uh, controlling the game uh, as they did on both sides, you know, uh, of the ball. But the, the line of scrimmage was it. Joe Mixon, 20 carries, 105 yards, and a touchdown. That offensive line, it's been banged up. Uh, you know, that was a big thing, missing three of their starters with injury, and, and they still really controlled it. Not a great day for Josh Allen, 25 of 42, 265 and a pick. Uh, Stefan Diggs and he seemed out of sorts. They were having some some friendly chatter on the sidelines <laughs> out of frustration. Uh, yeah, maybe not anymore. But, um, yeah, 10 targets. He only had four catches for 35 yards, no touchdowns. Something's wrong in Buffalo. I think that everybody kind of sees that, the way they finished out the season. Uh, maybe that DeMar Hamlin thing had more of an effect than we know of in the locker room amongst other things. But like we said, uh, talking about our awards that Stefan Diggs was a bit of a playoff letdown and, and, you know, Josh Allen, he puts up stats and everybody says, Oh, Buffalo is a top this defense and a top this offense. If you go back and look at some of the teams they played, yeah, they looked well, but I just, I don't know. I feel like maybe that team is maybe, maybe having to make a big move to shake some things up. Maybe even not with the coach, but maybe with some of the the players on that team. I think they thought they were going to get something, that they earn without earning it. And you don't do that in the NFL. And for Cincinnati to be one game away from back in the Super Bowl as, you know, the Super Bowl loser, uh, kudos to them. And, and they have a, a good matchup coming up this week with Kansas City. We're going to start calling him January Joe. That You know, Joe Burrow has just absolutely killed it in the playoffs. He's, you know, his record now is 5-1 and one in the playoffs. He hasn't lost a game in January. The only, the only playoff loss was obviously the Super Bowl last year, but that was in February. So, uh, five and zero in the month of January, in just two seasons. That uh, he's uh he's definitely when he said his window is his entire career. He was not kidding. That guy comes to play in the playoffs, and uh, he's a sight to watch. Man, he he was like a surgeon in that game. It was uh, it was really fun to watch him operate. the uh, The nightcap on Sunday was the Dallas Cowboys at the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners held on to this one, nineteen to twelve, in one of those weird like. You know, I got these two numbers in my block pool. I might as well just throw them away because it's never going to end with a nine and a two. And and what do you know? You, you know, if there was a, a a block pool for this game, some some lucky winner there with uh, some strange numbers. But uh, in this one, Christian McCaffrey ended up going 10 for 35 on the ground with that one touchdown. The only one that San Francisco scored. Also added six catches on eight targets for 22 yards through the air. George Kittle, five catches on five targets for 95, including that bobbling circus catch that he made uh in the fourth quarter and uh really helped to to seal that win for the 49ers ever since Brock Purdy has become the quarterback there man George Kittle is just you know he's he's kind of become the man there you know Purdy just tends to look for him when uh when things get hectic in the pocket and and Kittle always delivers the Dallas Cowboys top performer CD Lamb 10 catches for 117 yards on 13 targets 
He had uh, probably the only real good game for the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott, unfortunately, 23 of 37 for just 208 yards. Did throw that one touchdown in the beginning of the game to Dalton Schultz, but uh, also added two picks. And, and for me in this one, I think the San Francisco defense really showed that they can stop a, a good offense because I do think you know Dallas is a, is a pretty good offense in the league. But they also showed that they can be stopped by a good defense. And, and what I was saying to you earlier about my prospects thinking about Philadelphia moving forward, the Niners offense had been moving the ball pretty easily through the, the last eight weeks or so, you know, since Brock Purdy's been there. And uh, this was the first game that they ran into any real, you know, struggle offensively. And uh, the Dallas defense did a, did a pretty good job. It's unfortunately, you know, their offense could not keep up 12 points is not enough to win a playoff game. But, uh, you know, I think that Dallas is in a spot now where I don't know if they can continue moving forward with Dak Prescott as their quarterback. I mean, he's under contract, so it's going to be difficult. He's getting a ton of money, but I mean, he just does not seem like he shows up in these big games. He lost the playoff game to the 49ers last year, loses another one this year, two games where, you know, the offense just, you know, wasn't able to move the ball. Now, obviously the Tony Pollard injury probably had something to do with that as he's one of their more dynamic players, but I don't know, man. If I'm the Cowboys, I uh, I'm, I'm 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 thinking that when this contract runs out, that you know I may be in the market for for a new quarterback. It just doesn't seem like as good of a guy as Dak Prescott seems like he is. Just doesn't seem like the type of quarterback that can get it done in the clutch. Ba da ba ba ba. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Not a sponsor of the show, but yeah, not yet. But please, Ronald, <laughs> if you're listening. Uh, Come on, buddy. We need Grimace. We need the whole gang. Uh, but no, all kidding aside, yeah, like obviously we have our finger on the pulse of this game a little more than any of the others in the playoffs because we want to see who we're going to play. And watching, did get to catch a lot of it, and, you know, as I was making dinner on my phone because uh, that's what you do <laughs> nowadays. Um, yeah, you know, Prescott, yeah, lost the game for him, obviously with two interceptions that, you know, that that goes a different way. They do different things. It's Mike McCarthy. It's Jerry Jones. It's that whole organization that just can't get out of their own way and still live in the past and want to talk about, you know, how we're getting better. And and they do. And, you know, the Pollard injury probably did have a a strong factor to slow that offense down because, as we talked about, again, with our award thing and uh, looking, you know, at that, he's the scariest player almost on that team because he can beat you in two different ways. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb's the best fantasy guy and Dalton Schultz is not too, you know, too much of a slouch too as a tight end. He's, he's definitely come around the last couple of years, but we know Ezekiel Elliott's toast. Um, and that is, it just is what it is. But that quarterback being that guy where, you know, they did everything wrong. They got out of their own rhythm. As you notice, when they did run the football a little bit, they kind of had the Niners, you know, keeping, keeping them honest. But when you throw 37 times in a game where it's basically a one score game, uh, meanwhile, San Francisco keeps Brock Purdy under 30 attempts. He's doing everything right. They're not overworking him. And I mean, both quarterbacks face pressure, uh, obviously, to the point where Prescott, you know, he, if he's playing against straight zone, that's one thing. But I know they talk about the Niners, but like a quarter zone and it's not really man. It's more matchup type stuff. They really just took them out of their own game really quick. You didn't kick the field goal because you were scared and you end up injuring your running back on that, you know, in that exchange with that whole thing. And he missed the extra point. There's four points that you could have had 
suddenly you're talking about a field goal game, 16 to 19. You know, obviously, again, maybe one of those picks doesn't happen. Dallas, pound for pound, should have, would have, could have been the better team in the game. But yes, it was, you know, poor coaching and game plan and philosophy. And the Niners are a very stout team on, especially on defense, but their offense has a lot of weapons too. And yeah, just uh, I'm looking forward to uh, this Sunday night here in Philly, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, was saying before the game to my wife, I would really, you know, it's, it's very hard for me to ever root for the Cowboys, um, <laughs> but I was really pulling for them in this one. Cause I, I wanted not only that I not want to play San Francisco, uh, you know, but I also really wanted to beat Dallas in an NFC championship game. Uh, Cause I feel like it would have been that much sweeter, but uh Alas, we we don't get that matchup. We get uh, we get San Francisco, which uh, you know, what are you gonna do, right? You, the number one and the number two seeds make it all the way to the championship game. That's that's kind of you know that's kind of what you want. You want the best two teams playing in in the uh, in the championship games, and you know, wouldn't hate seeing a, a Philadelphia Kansas City Super Bowl either. But uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna jump into those games now and talk about our picks for the championship weekend. The first game on Sunday is going to be the San Francisco 49ers at those Philadelphia Eagles Sunday, three o'clock as the line opened, it was San Francisco plus two and a half and the over under was 45 and a half. I'll just jump right into this one since I'm already talking. And while I do think that this is going to be an absolutely phenomenal game, like I said, this isn't really the matchup that I wanted to see as an Eagles fan. The 49ers defense is probably the best in the NFL and they're currently on a 12-game winning streak. They haven't lost a single game since Christian McCaffrey was named the starter. If you remember, he came like middle of the week, didn't technically start that first game. They lost that game, but then they haven't lost a game since. They're also 8-0 with Brock Purdy at quarterback. I will say that last week versus Dallas, Purdy looked more like a rookie than I've seen in his previous seven starts. Dallas's defensive line pressure was kind of a key to – you know, keeping the San Francisco offense to just one touchdown and only 19 total points. And I think that this is really good news for the Eagles as they were the best team in the league at sacking the quarterback this season with 70 sacks in the regular season. That's not including the playoffs, obviously. And it wasn't just one guy for Philadelphia. They set an NFL record this season by having four players with double digit sacks in the regular season. And ultimately, I think this is where the game is going to be won or lost. Both teams have playmakers. Both teams can run and pass the ball effectively. Both teams are pretty solid in special teams. The difference in this game will be the offensive and the defensive lines. And while I do believe that Nick Bosa is probably the best player on either team's defense, the Eagles offensive line, now that Lane Johnson is back and close to 100%, is the best offensive line in the NFL. And I believe will help the Eagles win a close game this weekend and carry them to their second Super Bowl appearance in five years. So for this game, I am taking the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, taking them against the spread minus the two and a half and on the money line. And I'm going to say under, because like I said, I do think the, uh, I do think the defensive lines are going to, uh, you know, cause both offenses to struggle to move the ball a little bit. There's going to be, uh, there's going to be some sacks. There's going to be some pressures and throw throwaways and things like that that are going to keep this score a little bit low. I'm not usually one for calling game scores, but I'm going to go ahead and say 24-20 Eagles in this one. Hmm. All right, Pat. Uh, yeah, I think we're I think we're kind of 
in the same ballpark with this. Yeah, this game to me is it's actually everything I did want. Um, I did want San Francisco because everybody has them listed as that team. Oh, uh, you know, they're they're pretty much penciled in, albeit you know, I know Vegas changes lines and stuff like that. I was actually looking uh, before I think the playoff weekend started that the Eagles were actually the favorite to win the conference but the Niners were the better favorite to win the Super Bowl. So I don't know how that factors in, and that's not a typo. That was on like a FanDuel website when I was actually looking at the, the playoff odds. So I was like, okay, that's interesting, uh, you know, to say the least. Looking at a lot of the stats for this, it, it's it's going to be, yes, the matchup of the two best teams in the conference. And pound for pound to me, this is a borderline Super Bowl matchup itself. The Eagles have to worry to me about one player in particular. Uh, if they can isolate this person, then they shouldn't lose the game. It's Brandon Ayuk. Uh, you know, we talked about people that have improved from last year and different things like that. He was a guy that was in uh, Kyle Shanahan's doghouse last year. This year, he goes off for the tune of 78 catches for over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. He was a top 15 wide receiver in fantasy football compared to 35th in 2021. Yeah, like that's the kind of guy that, that is. Somebody who, you know, you're looking at McCaffrey, you're looking at Debo, who's Kittle, oh my God, who's going to get the ball? And I think Dallas was able to neutralize him a lot yesterday, and that's what made it such a close game because he doesn't burn you with big plays, but he does average eight yards a target, and that's something that's going to factor into him just helping to move the chains. Their entire team does that. They dink and dunk to an extent. They don't make massively big plays. They do break a few, uh, and if they do, it's usually out of the backfield, some type of option. They run a lot of play action. They don't do the RPO with Purdy. You saw him look mortal yesterday because he was getting pressured a lot. Dallas didn't get to him all the time. A uh, big stat for me that jumps out is red zone, third and fourth down conversions and red zone conversions. When you look back and you see where, where the Eagles are compared to the San Francisco 49ers, the Eagles convert and you know, again, you may not, you may or may not believe it. The Eagles convert to the tune of the third best red zone touchdown percentage in the league at almost 68%. Uh, and you say, well, San Francisco's defense is just as good. Actually, they're not. They're about 20th in stopping teams in the red zone from scoring a touchdown at only 57%. So again, you have to make mistakes against them. They need turnovers. And this team doesn't do that often. As long as they play mistake-free football, you're going to see running on both sides to try to wear those defenses down because you're looking at the number one and number two defenses in the league. That being said, it's all out the window. It's Philadelphia. It's Philadelphia. It's Philadelphia. I do like Philadelphia. I like the spread. I like the under. Uh, and I think it is going to be a little bit of a, you know, like you say, maybe a low scoring game. I think it's going to be somewhere around a 23 to 10 Philadelphia Eagles final. And they will go to the Super Bowl to play the winner of the next game, which we'll talk about now. Oh, I thought you were going to give I thought you were going to, you know, give your pick away there. Ah, save it for the best. For <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that I think that this game is uh, the AFC game is also going to be a barn burner. I think this is going to be a great game. Uh, Six thirty kickoff here on the East Coast, Cincinnati at Kansas City. This line opens Cincinnati plus one. I think by the time this gets to kickoff, it may flip flop. It may be Kansas City plus one or or a pick 'em. The way Cincinnati played last week, I, I can't imagine them not being uh, – I can't imagine them being an underdog for long. Uh, I think a lot of money is going to roll in on them. The over-under of this one started at 47-and-a-half. I said at the beginning of our playoff picks you know, a couple a couple weeks ago that I wasn't going to sleep on Cincinnati again this year, and what did I do? 
I slept on them last week <laughs> against against the Bills. I really thought that the Bills were a team of destiny this year after the way that last year ended. I mean, you know, the NFL made the rule change in the playoffs specifically because of the way the Bills and Chiefs game ended. And I just felt like this was their year. Well, I'm not going to make that same mistake again this week. The Bengals dominated, you know, what I believe is one of the best teams in the NFL for pretty much four quarters this past week. And it wasn't just, you know, Burrow and Chase, you know, putting massive points on the board. Their defense played great, not just in this game, but in their other playoff game against Baltimore. And I think that's going to be the difference in this one. Both of these offenses are incredibly tough to stop when they're firing on all cylinders, but the Bengals have shown up on the defensive side of the ball in impressive fashion so far in the playoffs. And I think they will again this week versus Kansas city. And with Mahomes playing on a high ankle sprain, there's just that much more of a slight edge for Cincinnati. Not that Mahomes is, you know, like a Josh Allen where he gets out and like runs for, you know, 40, 50, 60 yards a game, but he does get outside of the pocket and that's, you know, he makes a lot of those unscripted plays and that kind of scramble. You, you know, everybody's seen the highlights, the underhand tosses and the sidearm tosses and all the crazy, you know, Mahomes magic stuff that he does. But with that little bit of a hitch in his giddy up, I think the Bengals defensive line will have a little bit easier time keeping him in the pocket where he's still really good. But again, that's not where that Mahomes magic comes from. So uh, I like Cincinnati in this one. I'm going to take Cincinnati 27 to 24. So uh, give me Cincinnati minus, I'm sorry, Cincinnati plus one as of right now and the over in this one. Yeah, uh, looks like we're looking at a, a, the same Super Bowl, Pat. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we talked about the, the the games that led to this and how Cincinnati did look more dominant against Buffalo. And, and again, you were higher on Buffalo. I kind of didn't see that. I, I felt like Cincinnati looked maybe a little more destined in, in a certain way. Didn't expect it to be quite that much of a, a difference, though, with the score. Uh, the, the Mahomes thing is going to be a factor. I don't care what you say. There's no way you're going to come back after one week and be 100%. Nobody is at this time of year. But if we remember back to their second Super Bowl in a row, Kansas City Chiefs uh, went up against Tampa Bay, and he was playing on a bad leg then. Uh, he lost his mobility. Tampa Bay ate him up, and they won that Super Bowl easily against a team that everybody expected to just go out there and blow them away, even though Brady was there and everything else. Burrow right now – Again, he he looks like that guy. The two quarterbacks that that for me right now, and it's no slight on Mahomes, and it's no slight on on the kid Purdy. He looks pretty good, but the two quarterbacks right now that to me look like they are out for blood are Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow has that chip on his shoulder from losing last year. Uh, Jalen Hurts has always been underestimated, uh, you know, from college days and and different benchings that happened and stuff like that. I actually saw the film the Nick Sirianni giving him the extra day off this week after the win, and everybody cheered, and Jalen Hurts just looked like he wanted to kill somebody because he's just that <laughs> determined. Uh, he's I like, think no, he, I'll be at the office. Don't worry. Yeah, no, he did. Even last week they gave him the extra day off, and he went in to watch film. But getting back to Cincinnati, I feel like they are the better team at this time. I feel like the Kansas City's defense just gives up too many points. They're, they're kind of like the Minnesota Vikings light. The problem is that they just have a little bit better on offense, and you kind of you have the coaching factor too with Andy Reid. Remember last year where they kind of ate them up in the playoffs and won that game in overtime. They won earlier this year, twenty-seven to twenty-four. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit more of 
Cincinnati just just taking the game a little bit too far for them. Uh, but the score will be nearby. I do like Cincinnati all the way. Money line spread, and I like the over. Uh, I think Cincinnati wins 28-20, to 20, uh, and I think you're going to see Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts. It'll be the Eagles and the Bengals in the Super Bowl, and I'll just throw it out there right now that the Eagles will probably be a five-and-a-half-point favorite with an over-under of, I don't know, maybe 49. That's just my little – that's my call right now. Five-and-a-half, really? Yep. That's a big spread for the Super Bowl. Hey. I'm not uh, I'm not getting into calling the spreads yet because this game, uh, you know, I, let's make sure that we beat San Francisco before I start calling lines for, for the Super Bowl. But, uh, I mean, if, if they ended up being if, – if Cincinnati makes it, I, I can't I can't see them being more than two points uh, underdog to any to either team to San Francisco or Philadelphia. Personally, that's that's just my opinion. But yeah, I mean, you know, let's get let's get through this one before we start worrying about uh, who we're playing in the in the Super Bowl. I I think that uh, we're in for a great weekend, a, a great Sunday of football. I mean, these obviously are you know I think everybody sort of outside of Cincinnati wanted to see Buffalo Kansas City rematch the, those two obviously being the top two uh, seeds which which Cincinnati I guess can technically claim some some portion of that top two seed they, they could have been the number two seed had they beat Buffalo in that game they got canceled and they looked really good in that game so I, that's not a stretch and they just obviously beat them this week so not a stretch at all but uh, you know I think that these number one seeds advancing and, you know, the two and three seed. And, and like I said, Cincinnati could very easily be the two uh, in the AFC. I think we've got two really, really good games and uh, it's going to be really exciting football to watch this week, it, especially for us as Eagles fans, obviously. But uh, even if it wasn't, I would still be uh, glued to the TV for these ones because these are definitely uh, some, as you said earlier, some Titans matching up in the, in the playoffs this year. All right, I think that is going to do it for the show. Before we go, we'd like to thank Mickey's Portacol Pub in Tuckerton, New Jersey, for partnering with the show. If you are looking for a great place to watch these championship games on Sunday, Mickey's is it. Great food, drink specials, and all the football you can handle. Mickey's Pub, 327 East Main Street in Tuckerton, New Jersey, where friends and family meet. Folks, don't forget to follow us on Twitter so that you can vote on our fantasy awards by the time you hear this episode those will be up on twitter you can check out we'll we'll pin them to the page the uh at the nine route one i'll pin them there so that uh as soon as you go on you can go ahead and check out you know where the votes are and and you know vote for your your favorite fantasy mvp and and you know the other awards that we're giving out scott do you have anything to add before we jump out of here for the day go birds (laughs) 